I'm here talking with uh, composer Eisler, uh, who just you know did scores for like films like Natural Selection and uh, On the Ice, and does the show Revenge on ABC. Um, but I guess to start off, uh, what led you to to music, and you know what led you to film composing? Um, well, the music thing, you know, I think like for most people, started when I was very very young. I, I was born in Prague, and um, my parents. I guess, well, my, first of all, I should say my grandmother, who is now 96 and is still a professional musician, has always been, uh, you know, always worked in music, and she's actually a music therapist. Oh, okay. And, uh, but back then, you know, she was playing in orchestras, and she actually, um, you know, her, her uh, professor in college was Gustav Holst. So (laughs) she's 96 and she still works and still drives a car, you know, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, she's been a huge musical influence on me. So, you know, her and my parents started me off, I guess when I was about six, I was taking piano lessons and I sang in a choir, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, And uh, that all kind of went out the window when I moved to England. I was about nine and um, I discovered guitar and that was pretty much that, you know. Um, <laughs> then on it was just a steady downhill slope of uh, you know bands and tour buses really. From, yeah, yeah. Maybe not from nine, but you know. From, <laughs> I mean, I was touring pretty much from the age of I don't know sixteen or seventeen. Oh, okay. Um, and you know, was in in bands ever since, and that's how I got into it. You know, I became I was in various bands, and then I started playing with Robbie Williams when I was about I guess I was in my early twenties, like twenty one, twenty two, and. Um, yeah, that's basically what I did in my twenties was toured and made albums. Um, you know, and then I came to LA and, and I I'd always wanted to do film music. Um I didn't realise, you know, you never plan for how it's gonna happen or right, how yeah. it's there or when it's gonna happen. Um but I, I you know, it's funny because I had a conversation with with an ex manager of mine recently who's still a very good friend of mine who said, um, you know, you realise you were chasing me about this like fifteen years ago. <laughs> we're constantly going, Get me a film, get me a film, get me a film and I had no score a film I just thought it'd be you know something I wanted to do because I always I always thought of music in terms of images I know that sounds sort of weird but that that that's ever since I was a kid I would listen to Beatles albums and you know whatever it I always saw images to it you know I was always making my personal little videos oh yeah I mean that's how because I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a musician <laughs> thought were abhorrent but, <laughs> but to me you know we're sort of quite inspirational really yeah, because I'm not a musician, and uh, I, you know, I, I write and I you know, edit and, and direct, and but it's all music is what got me interested in film it, because it just stimulates your mind, creates images. So that's yeah, how. exactly. I mean, I guess I should say that I've always been a huge film fan too. So mm-hmm. it's just sort of natural progression. I think um, you know, ever since I was a kid, I, just, I re- the funny thing is, you know, when I was a kid in Prague and I didn't speak English yet, one of the first films I ever saw was A Hard Day's Night. Oh wow! Okay, and. Um, you know, my dad must have taken me to see that film 20 times. I mean, I, you know, so my first impression of English is is Scouse, you know, Liverpool, you know, you're right, Ringo, sort of English, <laughs> you know, which you can take that how you want. But uh, it was, um, you know, I guess that's my first impression of, of the cinema really was, you know, cinema very strongly linked with music. Right. Um, so... Moving to to natural selection, um, uh, I, I listened to it. Great score, uh, you, uh, Kurt Schneider. Um, but w- and I was reading kind of the the press release that I got sent with it, and you it was mm-hmm. you saw the film and then you actually pursued it, right? 
Well, it was kind of well, not quite. They they asked me to do it, and and I was insanely busy at the time. And I was, you know, right around this time of year. Well, no, actually, no. It was earlier. I guess it was late. It was towards Sundance, so it would have been a bit later in the year. But I was just completely swamped, and I had I was doing two films at the same time, and I was doing a TV show, and you know, I had, as usual, I hadn't slept in you know a year. It usually seems to happen in like twelve month stretches, where I just sort of collapse at the end of it. <laughs> and and you know, and I was getting ready to go at Sundance or something else, um, and I really didn't have time to do it. Um, and you know the other thing is I I often hear pitches like this and not to you know I think it's it's incredible how indie filmmaking has come to to be to be available to almost anybody in terms of you know the cost of making films has come down in in some ways mm-hmm. uh, but it's also a bad thing sometimes because you know everybody is making films and it doesn't necessarily follow that everybody is a talented filmmaker right, that's right. the great thing about organizations like Sundance and South by Southwest is they really they're a filter of you know hopefully you know some sort of quality Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as you look to certain people, you look to certain reviewers, like maybe yourself or, you know, somebody who, you know, you sort of respect their opinion and like, okay, that's good. I'm not going to have to see 20 bad films (laughs) to see one good one. Um, Anyway, so what, you know, the the pitch was, hey, man, you know, we spent all our money on this film. We mortgaged our houses and it's comedy about a middle-aged woman and we're going to Sundance. And I just thought, okay, Um, you know, (laughs) because, you know, you hear a lot of those. And... The other thing is comedy. I have a. I'm not against scoring comedy, but I'm a lot pickier about scoring comedies because the way I look at it is, a you know a, de- a sort of half decent thriller can keep you interested, you know, or a drama if the acting's good and you know there there can be something in there. But a bad comedy, there's no such thing as a halfway decent comedy. It's <laughs> funny or it isn't, you know, and uh, so. I thought, okay, well, this is this has got a lot riding against it, really, the way they pitched it. Um, the story sounded interesting, but I thought, okay, so you know, send it over. And and at that point, I think I'd already said no to it. I think I'd said that I, I didn't have the time. Uh, but the the DVD arrived, and my wife and I watched it. And I kind of turned it off at the end, and I just looked at my wife and went, shit, because <laughs> 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 it was so good. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, there's no way I can do it. There's no way I could not do it. Right. Uh, so I, I just kind of, you know, I ended up, and that's one of the reasons I got in Kurt Schneider, who's a very close friend of mine and, um, you know, actually generally works as my mixer, but it, he's a, an incredibly talented songwriter in his own right mm-hmm. and a producer. And, uh, you know, I thought maybe if we collaborate on this, it's doable. And we had a really, really short amount of time to do it. I think we did the whole film in about three weeks. Wow, that's, yeah. <laughs> knocked it out but that was one of the good things too because Robbie Pickering the director was very much into leaving the rough edges in because mm-hmm. um, that's what the film's like you know he wanted it to sort of be like all his favorite records and he's just an incredible lexicon of uh, it, you could ask him about any album pretty much made between 1950 and 1980 and he could tell you the sleeve notes <laughs> you know so it was fun it was really good fun making it and so and you're working with, with Kurt uh, and I mean, a lot of composers when they we co-compose, they have different processes and different uh, techniques. Did you guys work together a lot, or was it kind of you separated? Well, it was a bit of both initially because I was working on three other things. Mm-hmm. What happened is I would write um, 
I would write some initial ideas. And I think there were one or two cues that just sort of came to me and I just did them. Yeah. And then Kurt would sort of come over and we would just hash out melodies to things. And then I would sort of make it work to picture. And then we'd go over to, it sort of tended to be a back and forth, but we, we never really worked separately. It tended to be, I mean, apart from the couple of things I wrote on my own, for the most part, it was, we would sort of sit around and come up with melodies as so we more like we were writing a song. Like, oh, this sounds like, Rachel's character or this sounds like a movie or whatever and then um, we would actually go over to his and work it up to picture and um, there's very little you know unlike a lot of movies where you're making mock-ups and you're doing MIDI versions of things and you know this had no orchestra on it we did some string quartet but um, for the most part it was us playing everything yeah. so we'd sort of go over to his house to his studio and and just play up against picture with these ideas and then Robbie would come over and pitch in and that's pretty much how it sort of evolved you know mm -hmm. and then moving to on the ice which is another film that you scored yeah. and um it's a story that I I really love because I I did a film in college it's kind of similar themes and uh, oh, wow. and it deals you know with everyday people tragic situation cool? and dealing trying to deal with it and uh what was, uh, what was the film called uh, my film was called A Sincere Prospect. It was a 32-minute short film, which which is great because On the Ice was originally a short film too, it right? Was. Yeah. Yes, excuse me, yeah. So, um, so, and it also takes place in Alaska, which played a you know big role in the film. Yeah. Did that? How did that influence you in your music? Did, oh, it was seeing all the white and the snow. Yeah. Doesn't... Well, first of all, I mean, I always say. Lowell Crawley's photography was a big inspiration to me because the way he captured that landscape was so incredible and it, it's so stark, you know, and so I mean, it might as well have taken place on the moon. Right. And uh, it was just, you know, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, it's it's also so cut, Barrow is so cut off from everywhere and uh, um, the whole just isolated feeling of not just, you know, the, the town but then these two kids and them just suddenly being cut off from this little community and you know, just trying to sort of deal with what had happened. Um, it, I think the landscape kind of looked like the story, if that makes any sense. I know there's sort of an inarticulate way of putting it, but it, it felt, it feels incredibly, incredibly bleak, uh, but somehow sort of not depressing. I don't, there's something that reminded me about the, um, the original version of Insomnia. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is, you know, an incredibly bleak film, an incredibly dark film, but um, I don't know. I find stuff like that really interesting and, and, uh, and don't necessarily find it depressing at all. It, you know, I think there's a sort of a beauty to it. So I tried to, you know, a lot of conversations I had with Andrew, the director, uh, where you know, we decided specifically not to use orchestra. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to find a soundscape that really sounded like what we were looking at. Which is something you always want to do, but with something this visually striking, you really want to go for it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And did uh, So we sort of, you know, Andrew was always saying, <laughs> he said, uh, he said, yeah, it's going to be sweeping. It's good. No, he said it's going to be big, but not sweeping. <laughs> He'd say stuff like, not like the English patient. I was like, well, you know, unless you see a hundred piece orchestra sitting in my studio, you're, you're in no danger of that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, we, I think we came up with some, I, I hope they're sort of original ways of, of really dealing with the material because, uh, um, you know, that was important. It was important just to find something that, like I said, sounded like what we were looking at, you know? Mm -hmm. 
and and since Andrew, I mean, he did the short film and then he wrote and directed this film. So yeah. clearly that story has been in his head for years and years and years. Did did he have a, a like a real you know, big big idea? Did you guys look at the music from the first film and or did he want a completely different soundscape? In fact, one of the fun things about it was we came into this film with very few preconceived notions about what the music should be. Mm-hmm. And that's some, that's a luxury I don't often get. You know, most films I get are tempt. Yeah. Um, some well, some not so well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there are times when you're cranking something out, like, for instance, you know, right now it's pilot season and I'm doing a, a pilot as well as this, this other show. And, you know, at that point, temp can help because you might have a couple of days to crank something out. You need to know specifically what the director and the producers like. There needs to be a shorthand, particularly if it's people you haven't worked with before. Um, but, you know, we had a bit of time on, on on the ice. It wasn't a crazy amount of time, but it was, you know, maybe six weeks. Okay. Uh, just, I guess still pretty short for a movie, but but um, we didn't... In fact, you know, when I, when I suggested to Andrew, I said, don't let me listen to the temp. I know you've tempted, but don't let me listen. Just let me look at it and react. Right. And he really took it around with it. In fact, at a certain point, he wouldn't let me listen to the temp. I was like, <laughs> okay, so we've got somewhere now. You want to, like, play the temp for me? He was like, no. <laughs> So, uh, so you know, we we ne- I don't think we ever listened to the temp. We never certainly never listened to the music from the first one. I guess I'd seen the the short uh, mm-hmm. a couple of times when I first heard about the project, and I, I heard about the project a long time ago through uh, friends at Sundance. But um, uh, yeah, we we didn't really, you know, it's also set in a different time, right. and it needed to reflect. I think his film reflects as much about urban culture in Barrow as it does about Inuit culture, about Inupiat culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that sort of had to figure into it. Not that we were going to put in hip-hop beats or anything, but, right, you know, right. <laughs> the function of the, the, uh, the you know, the um, source music in there. So so it had, to, it had to sort of have something in common, you know. It had to sort of make some sense with that. Right. And um, so, and you also do... The you mentioned pilot season, but you also work on revenge. That's, that's I do, I and, do. And uh, if you had to give one tip to a composer who's doing their first TV series, what would yeah. it be? <laughs> what Don't would, do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, don't do it if you plan on ever sleeping again. Um, it's no, I, I wouldn't say that at all. It's it's um, it's actually a really fun gig. I I, I would just say. Have a really good team, right? For a start, because you need we we cut a live orchestra on this every week. Yeah, wow. And that you know basically means that all you're going to have time to do is write. You're not going to have time to do any of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Prep, um, you know, get get ready for the session, all of that. You need like a bomb-proof team. You know, you need great engineers. You need great orchestrators. Um, when we started doing it, I was, you know, a lo- like for instance, a lot of the orchestration. I have, a, I have a fantastic orchestration team, but I would do a lot of the orchestra, the basic orchestration myself to start with, mm-hmm. and then, then hand it off to them. They would get it on the page, and we'd have a back and forth. Now, now it can be. I mean, I think I write more music for the show than I've written, for, you know, per episode than I write for a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's wall-to-wall music, and um, you know. Sometimes you just need to, I need to literally like sketch out the parts, mm-hmm. 
and and uh, the orchestrator kind of knows where I'm going with it, and then we run with that. And uh, you know, same for same for the mixer and everybody else. So that's what I would say is you know, make sure you're surrounded by great people, man, because you're only as good as the weakest link in your team. Right. And you know, if you, and now you're doing a pilot right now, so you, you don't know if it's going to be picked up or not. We don't know. And then you do a show like Revenge, where you know you're already kind of in, in the gears are going so if you're writing on the show and you know the show is doing well mm -hmm. do you stay in the moment or are you composing thinking about the entire arc of the season are you thinking about what's going right. up or do you just try to focus right at hand i try and think about it the, the way i thought about revenge was because it's so cinematic mm -hmm. is that uh to try and imagine the whole thing as a sort of 22 hour movie you know sort of like yeah. a extreme Kurosawa movie or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, in some ways, I thought about that because the, the main thing in Revenge is really a central theme. It's not so much, you know, it could point to any number of the characters, but it's really about um, the show, and I guess the heart of the show is is Emily, Emily Van Camp's Karen, mm -hmm. um, and, and Victoria, Victoria Grayson. So, sort of, the main thing pointed to that, and I think much more has sprouted from that than I ever thought would in terms of other themes, because what I did realize was if you're doing 22 episodes, you know, that's a long time to stretch out one melody. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, a lot of other themes grew as, as time went on, and you really can't predict that. I try and read the script ahead of time so I get a clue, but mm -hmm. what I try and do as well is just is really watch the episode and just sort of, again, just sort of react. And... Um, I wanted there to be something really old-fashioned about the score at the same time as, you know, there is some programming in it and it does have, certainly has modern elements. The orchestral side of it is very much in the sort of Bernard Herrmann world, mm -hmm, yeah. uh, you know, and I wanted it to to have this noir-y sort of element to it. And that's something that um, Philip Noyce, Mike Kelly and I sort of toyed with a lot at the beginning is just sort of how the show would sound and, you know, there are all these different ideas ban being banded about, and, and in the end, ultimately, it's about what you're looking at on yeah, screen. Right. The first thing that I remember, one of the first shots in the pilot is this shot of Emily Van Camp walking past this sort of ice sculpture at this part, at this engagement party, you know, in like a flowing red dress. And it's this sort of Grace Kelly moment, you know, where mm -hmm. it's the, 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 the whole party, it's, you know, it's everything so epic and lush. And it really sort of does have something in common with, with uh, sort of, you know, older older movies, and and um, I can't remember one. <laughs> what was it? Some somebody, some reviewer called it something like it was. Uh, I think he said it was Douglas Sirk for the Prozac generation. <laughs> 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 uh, <I think. laughs> you know, it's it's kind of it, it certainly has an element of you know, sort of sweeping forties, right. 40s, 50s, 60s music about it in, in that sense. And uh, which is, uh, I'm going to kind of finish, I, I like to wrap up uh, by asking composers questions, which kind of ties into you talking about, you know, these vintage scores. Um, if you could compose any film ever made with, uh -huh. with no disrespect to the original composer, <laughs> right. what film would you choose? Well, you know why that's a difficult question, right? Because, 
your favorite films and your favorite scores, you wouldn't touch them. Exactly. No, I, yeah, the people are like, I, I wouldn't touch them. I, but. I wish I had written the score to Psycho or to Taxi <laughs> Driver, but, but, you know, God forbid I would touch them. I mean... Um, but what, what movie, like, you'd love to just take a crack at it? You're like a playground kind of just experiment I, with the characters. Heat would have been really fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, again, there's, there's great score on there, but... Um, you know, that's, I think that's one of my favorite films. Yeah, I mean, look, in an ideal world, sort of, you'd have, but it's it's such a bizarre question to answer because it's it's like, well, shit, I would have loved to have had a go at The Godfather, but, but you know, what if we didn't have The Godfather theme and I'd come up with, like, you know, it's like, oh, man, that film would have been really good if that guy hadn't fucked up the score. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, if you did that, then <laughs> yeah, not so good, right? Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's a good, good, good uh, answer. Um, but uh, I'm out of questions for you. But thank you so much. No, it was lovely to talk to you, mate. It was um, nice. I hope we get to do this again sometime. I, I really enjoy your work. It's it's really thank really good stuff. So keep it up. Thank you very much. All right. Well, good to talk to you.